0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Quadcast. My name is John McAlevey, and this is Season 3, Episode 6 of the podcast, which is mainly for and about folks like me who have had their lives affected by a spinal cord injury, but is really for anyone who just wants to be inspired. Think of the show as your 30 to 45-minute session of OT and PT for the soul. If you did not have the chance to listen to last week's program, you can find my conversation with Kevin Hoagland, along with 45 other episodes, by logging on to www.quadcast.org. I thank Kevin for joining me, for all he does for the community, and telling his inspirational story. So, speaking of telling, I told you all recently about the award that this podcast is receiving from Cheshire Home. Well, as they say, the hits just keep on coming. I have been asked to appear as a guest on HTTV's Summit Showcase interview program. We are taping the show next Wednesday, October 12. I will be sure to let you know when and where you can view the episode. Just think you'll finally be able to decide for yourself whether or not I have that face for radio I've been told so many times over the years. And now to the business of today's show. For those of you that know me, sports have always played a pivotal role in my world, either playing them, watching them, writing about them, commenting on them, and also coaching them. Sports of all shapes and sizes have consumed a lot of my time and energy over my 54 years. Growing up, I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school, but when summer would roll around, you could always find me on the tennis courts. Whether it was singles or doubles, I was a fixture on the red clay courts of the Rackets Club in Short Hills, New Jersey. I enjoyed the competition, and sometimes my temper would get the better of me. Much like another Johnny Mac who had fits of rage on the tennis courts back when I was a kid, sometimes my racket would wink wink, nod nod, slip out of my hands, and crash into the fence or net. Looking back, it is not something I am proud of, but I was a kid after all and did not like losing. The reason I am bringing up tennis here is because I'm excited for my conversation with today's guest, Jason Silp. Jason, you see, is among other things a professional wheelchair tennis player. Despite enduring a T-1112 complete SCI following a fall in 2011 when he was just 17 years old, he has continued to excel not only in the classroom, but on the courts. I wonder if after losing a big point, Jason has ever airmailed his racket. Well, right after this public service announcement from our good friends at Canine Companions, I intend to find out the answer to that question as well as many more. And that, my friends, is
1: next. This is my new best friend, Esther. She might look like any normal, playful puppy, but Esther's being raised to become a canine companions for independence assistance dog for a person with a disability. To get there, she needs lots of loving and care and attention, plenty of exercise and good eating habits so that she can live a long and healthy life for her future family. And she needs to spend tons of time socializing, learning basic commands like sit and stay, and taken to fun places with lots of distractions so that she can learn to cope in every situation. All of this will prepare Esther for more professional training to become a real assistance dog and a life helping a person with a disability to live more independently. Are you ready to open your heart and home for 18 months to a puppy like Esther? To find out more about becoming a canine companion for Independence Puppy Raiser or about other volunteer opportunities, visit cci.org or call 1-800-572-BARK. Raise a puppy, change a life. You can make a world of difference in the life of a person with a disability.
0: And we are back. Remember, you can access the podcast from the following hosts. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Podchaser, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. It is now my pleasure to introduce the aforementioned Jason Keatsing-Silp to the show. Hello, Jason, and welcome to the program.
2: Hi, John. Uh, Thanks for having me on today.
0: I tell you, since I've been following you on Twitter, uh, I've been really looking forward to uh, to having you on. And uh, once the finished product is done, you'll hear uh, in my intro that I was a big sports guy growing up, so this is um, this is an interview I've been really looking forward to. So what I like to do with all of my shows is begin at the beginning, because these spinal cord injuries that we've all sustained do not define who we were and who we are. So why don't you tell us where did you grow up and what were some things that that You enjoyed doing as a youngster.
2: I was uh, born and raised in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, growing up, um, yeah, I was just uh, you know just like any other kid. Um, you know, I was involved in school. Uh, I played a lot of tennis uh, before my spinal cord injury. That was probably my biggest hobby and passion. And uh, I was looking to play. Um, College tennis, uh, Division three tennis in the East Coast, uh, um, and and then I had my spinal cord injury during my senior year of high school.
0: Sure, sure. Tell us about now. I've never been out to Arizona, and one of my best friends in the world, a guy that uh, I grew up with here back in New Jersey, um, he took a job out in Arizona, and I don't I don't think he's too far from where you are right now um, tell us about the heat because he tells me, he said, Oh, John, it's, uh, I, I said, Jamie, it's 105. He said, yeah, but there's no humidity here, no humidity. And I'm like, yeah, but 105 is 105. So playing tennis as a kid in that heat, was it brutal or what?
2: Yeah, I, I've actually got, kind of become accustomed to it. And, uh, I was kind of a, you might say like a desert rat, um, before my injury, I, w- I, w- I was, I was willing to play, you know, I was playing tennis before my injury at like one o'clock in the afternoon over the summer in the 105, 106 heat. Wow. And you made a good, you made a good point earlier. It's dry heat. Um, I take 105 dry heat over, you know, maybe like 87, 88, you know, 50% humidity, you know, any day. I I absolutely cannot stand the humidity, but I love the dry heat. And um, it's actually helped me um, a bit for, for, uh, for wheelchair tennis.
0: I can imagine. And we have the humidity back here. It's brutal. Um, in in the summers here are really bad. And I, I don't know about you, but the level of my injury, my, uh, I can't regulate my body with the heat. So when it gets hot and, and it's brutal, I have to really stay inside. I can't really go out because, you know, you could get, get myself in trouble with, you know. God forbid uh, having a stroke or something like that. So I, a lot of times in the summer I am chained to my my couch here at the house. I don't really go out and so uh, to hear you talk about the the dry heat is something that I might have to get out there and visit my friend and see what that's all about. So um, I appreciate you telling me about that. So now, now that you're let's let's fast forward a little bit. you reach high school are, are you starting to think about maybe college and what you're gonna do with your life th- at this point?
2: Yeah. So I, you know, I was, I was planning, I was always planning on going to college um, back when I was in high school. And um, like I said, I, I, I was planning to play uh, division three tennis. Um, it was really going to be bad or staying home at the university of Arizona and then maybe trying to play on the club team. Um, and I, I was, uh, I really liked math and science uh, just, you know, the STEM subjects a lot. So I was, I knew I I had, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do yet, but I I had a strong feel it was going to be something STEM uh, related.
0: Okay. Okay. And unfortunately, like me, um, you suffered your spinal cord injury as the result of a fall. Um, Where were you taken? uh, What were you told initially? And when did what just happened to you start to sink in?
2: Yeah. So um, I, I really don't actually remember the, really remember falling i just remember waking up at the hospital and um i was you know i could immediately when when i woke up immediately i, I knew something was wrong i you know i knew i couldn't move my legs um just like like my lower extremities and uh the, the doctors told me i had uh, uh suffered a uh, traumatic spinal cord injury um and it all just uh you know that's I mean, I they didn't mean to say that, but I obviously knew, you know, sure. like something was not not right. But but um, yeah.
0: Sure. And you know, I, a lot of people will would ask me, and they still ask me to this day, you know, it's got to be something physically that you know when you can't move something, that that's the hardest part. But oftentimes it's the the mental aspect. Did did that start to sink in early on, and how were you dealing with it mentally?
2: Yeah. So mentally i think i think um the biggest things that helped me get through were uh, a combination of of uh, my family and m- my my faith uh, uh christianity and then also my friends um one of the biggest mental or just just general prop, just just biggest setbacks in general of my injury was was uh was uh, neuropathic pain nerve pain in my in my my legs in my lower extremities and Um, I think, I think, and I I can definitely go into this a little bit more, but I think when, when I really overcame that, that really helped. That was probably the biggest mental, I mean, uh, obstacle. Absolutely. But once uh, once I got through that, yeah. Yeah, I've heard. To, I, to, to, knock to on walk.
0: wood. I don't have the pain, but I I had friends that I was in with that it was unrelenting, and and I know that they were having such issues with that. You mentioned family and friends. I know that I could have never made it through my recovery um, without having a strong faith, as you said, and and family and friends. I was lucky that. The rehab hospital where I did my rehab was probably about three miles from where I grew up. So on any given weekend, there'd be about 15 or 20 guys in the the, the main TV room. We'd be watching college football games and NFL games and stuff like that. Tell me about how your buddies and, and your family were, um, you know, helpful when you were trying to go through all of this in the beginning, at least.
2: My My mom, she was with me the entire time. Throughout, from 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 day one to 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 coming to coming back to Tucson from Craig. Um, so, and then my dad was with my dad came uh, to to Craig with me for a bit as well, but he had to, he, he had to you know he couldn't come come the entire time just because of work. And uh, my my sis I have two sisters, um, so um, for we celebrated Christmas um, in. Uh, at Craig Hospital and that was the that was the first um the only time in my life I think the only year in my life I, I didn't spend Christmas back in Tucson was uh, was when I had my injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as my friends goes, um I you know uh, so many of my friends, um even just classmates from high school when I was in ICU in Tucson Bay, they, they came to visit me. They had posters. I remember the nurses were saying that I was like one of the most you know, I was like, actually I was like kind of like a popular patient just cause like I had so many visitors and it was, it was really, that's great. Um, it was really, it was really encouraging just to have, you know, see, you know, people who I didn't even expect to come came and, um, and then, um, um, just like they, I've been, I was texting, you know, I was doing FaceTimes with them yep. while I was at Craig too. So, mm-hmm. um, that was, that was huge.
0: Yeah. Now you mentioned Craig. Uh, Tell me about Craig Hospital. I've had some friends that actually worked there or some PTs. Um, Tell us about your time there. And did you, when you began to do therapy, since you were an athlete as as a young man, did did being an athlete help you attack therapy once you got into the PT gym?
2: Yeah, I, you know, my rehab experience was kind of hindered for almost all of my stay because I had fractured my right wrist um in my initial injury so i had to use a power chair for most of my rehab i was at i did my inpatient at craig for nine weeks and i i think i only got out of the power chair or i was in the power chair for i think maybe seven possibly even eight of the nine weeks um and i i think i think you know being an athlete coming in i think that helped me just instill some good values like like discipline you know you know perseverance i guess um but uh, it was, it was, it was, it was. I mean, overall, I'm, I'm so, you know, I, I, I like, I, I'm so thankful I got to go to Craig. Um, Craig, I really do think is one of the best, if not the best, in the world for spinal cord injury treatment. Um, in terms of the the doctors, the the therapists, both physical and occupational. Um, they had psychological psych, psych psychology services. The the TREC. Um I think they 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 really did help prepare me um going back to the real world after that's impatient
0: that's great to hear and you mentioned that was your first uh Christmas away from Arizona. did you get to have a white christmas in in Because you're in Colorado
2: yeah i you know i i um so i don't i don't know if i've i think i we might have had snow before in tucson oh wow. but like i I, w- I was not i was not used to the the snow or the weather going to you know so that was and that's one of the reasons why i like tucson a lot just because it doesn't snow so like i can get around but like going around outside or oh, just dealing yeah. with the really cold weather was uh was was pretty tough but yeah. um but yeah, no, that was uh, it. Was it was, was that certainly a neat experience seeing all that snow and everything.
0: Absolutely. Now speaking of therapy, you know, most people ask, you know, and even in, you know, when you see things on television, if there's a somebody in a sitcom or in a, in a soap opera or a TV show is in an accident, all anybody wants to know is, oh, is so and so going to walk? Are they going to walk? Are they going to walk? And Never taking into account, you know, will they be able to feed themselves again? Can they dress themselves? And they can do, can they do all sorts of things like that? And that's where occupational therapy comes in. How important were your occupational therapists for you as you were now beginning a whole new life?
2: Yeah, so occupational therapy um so definitely interesting. Um, I think one of the biggest things. Um, just like, like you said, like teaching you like the real world skills, like, you know, how to, how to, you know, how to use appliances or, um, I think one of the, I mean, some of the things like they were teaching me, I'm like, am I going to use this? And yeah. I actually have, like, for example, like when they were t- teaching me all these, you know, they, they had in the, the, one of their basements, they had like an airplane seat and like, they had the whole, like the, have, they had, they had the aisle chair and like, I practiced getting into that and, Um, like that was, that was really helpful. Um, and like, you know, and then I've, and then I've, as, as I'm sure you have too, you've met a lot of people who've with also spinal cord injuries and like, they've never flown before or like, they don't know how to fly. And like, they, they taught me that pretty well. And like, that really helped, you know, when I traveled and like a a lot of their, like from the OT side, you're asking, like a lot of, like they teach yeah, if you taught me about traveling, I, I actually do. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I've had, you know, I've been fortunate. I haven't had too many issues with traveling. That's terrific. So,
0: yeah. And I never even knew that the field existed. I had only heard of physical therapy. I had no idea what occupational therapy was or is. And for someone like me, who again has limited use of my upper body, they've, they've given me so many so many different shortcuts over the years, you know, the, I, re, I remember the line that they used to say is, you know, John, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And, you know, you you find your little ways around doing things that uh, the old way that you used to do them. And so um, I'm glad to hear that that they've helped you in that. Uh, Your travel, and we'll get into that later because you are quite the traveler, I tell you. I remember when I was an inpatient, they took us to Newark Airport and we actually did a whole, like a dry run where we would go on on the plane with our wheelchairs and we would go to the baggage check and we would do a lot of that stuff, so... You know,
2: that's 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 they really took you through the experience too, then. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, it's um, they they know what they're doing and they're they're really trying to to help us out, and it, it was so helpful. And so, um, but as I said, we'll get into your extensive travel shortly. Now, how about you're 17 years old, you're back from Craig, you're now a wheelchair user. What now? What are you thinking is going to happen, and what did you do in the immediate aftermath of when, when you got home?
2: You know, I was, as far as timing goes, you know, I'm thankful this, you know, if it had to happen, you know, I think senior year timing wise worked out well, just because when I was a senior at the time, um, I finished so many classes and credits, I only needed to like really just finish like two or three classes. And my teachers were really accommodating the entire time, even trying to do school while I was in Colorado. So um, I was, I was thankful that I was able to graduate with, with all my, with my cohort. Um, so I was injured in November of 2011 and I was, so I got to, I got to graduate with everyone that, that spring. And, uh, you know, like I, like I was mentioning earlier, um, I basically was boiling down to, um, going out of state and playing D3 tennis and, or, or staying at home at the University of Arizona. So mm-hmm. So, of course, so of course, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, the tennis was out of the uh, picture now. So I I stayed at home. I'm I'm thankful that um, the University of Arizona um, worked out and, um, and, and I, I, I I can certainly talk about this more a little bit later. um, But like, I, uh, University of Arizona ended up being and still is one of the most accessible. Um, schools on campus so um so I, after my injury after i graduated i i i i i began um my undergraduate at the university of arizona uh that that uh the fall after or just that same year basically
0: okay U of A, I, I enjoy watching the uh the wildcats play basketball I'm a big college basketball fan um and uh back i'm trying to think it what year it was i think it was in the the late 90s. I'm a Providence college grad and uh, Arizona knocked us out in the elite eight. That was the year that they won the national championship with, uh, uh, with yeah. Miles Simon and, and uh, Mike Bibby and that crew. So um, yeah, that's, uh, they have great basketball. Did you, did you go to the games? If you're saying it's accessible, was the McHale Center, is that pretty accessible for you?
2: You know, it's uh, it's it's funny. This is uh, more of a personal thing. I I, I love tennis, and I am a huge tennis uh, nerd and, and junkie. But it balances out because I don't really know much about other sports, and okay. uh, I know I never went to a, I never uh, went to a college football or basketball game during my undergraduate. Um, and I, I guess in hindsight, it would have been nice to at least go to one of each, probably. But mm. um, I have been in the, I have, and I'm impressed to remember the stadium, McHale yeah um, the, the, they, they they were they were accessible. Um, um, I've been there for for like graduation ceremonies and other events and functions, but um I did I actually didn't go for any of the games.
0: No worries. No worries. You don't have to go. Tennis was your thing, and that's what you were into. So tell us, Jason, what did you study? What did you get your uh, degree in from the University of Arizona?
2: I majored in biomedical engineering um and I uh, and then I, my minor was
0: uh, math. Wow, biomedical engineering. And and what are you thinking? Uh, w- what does one do with a biomedical? Say it again. A bio.
2: Biomedical engineering.
0: <laughs> I can't even say it. You could tell that that was certainly not my major. What are you thinking of doing with that? What would be the field that you're going into with that degree?
2: So. Uh sorry, I just had a notification. So um yeah, so I part of the part of that decision to do uh, BME was influenced by was was influenced from my injury. Um I wanted to I wanted um I wanted to more long term work as an engineer and uh work in um adaptive or rehabilitative tech and that still is that still is one of my goals for for my long term career. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, biomedical in engineering is also—it's—it's it's a bit different compared to maybe more traditional engineering majors like, like chemical, or like mechanical, or like civil, in which you can usually you can get an industry job um, right away with those degree with those more traditional engineering degrees. Um, and and it definitely has changed a little bit since I, since I graduated. But but at the same time, it's also um, it's also still how do I say like maybe culturally or just like um, maybe just like it's not, it hasn't been as it's been more normalized, but like use like, so typically, typically like a lot of my, my cohorts after they got their undergraduate did their masters and mm-hmm. then looked for an industry job. Okay. Um, but, um or, or did pre-med uh, or use that as their pre-med major going sure. to med school. So um, we even had some students go into law school too. So, um, definitely, definitely, a lot of options.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, how about it? It starts to things start to turn around, and and I guess you get that hankering for tennis again. Uh, when did you begin playing wheelchair tennis? Uh, when when was it when you picked up that racket once again? Follow uh, after your injury.
2: You know, it was uh, it was pretty soon after. It was uh, actually so I got injured in fall of twenty. 20- 11 and then when i returned uh i think maybe or sorry sorry actually my timeline's off i actually uh, i can't i it it was it was within a year It was in about a year um so the university of arizona um wheelchair tennis team had a had a like a social function Mm -hmm. and i just so i dropped by and I remember I was so nearly injured and like, I still remember like even just transferring into the tennis chair, like I had to bring my slide board. I could barely get in. Like my mom was freaking out about me, like falling from the <laughs> yeah. transfer. Sure. And then once I got, once I got in, I'm just like, how am I supposed to move this thing? Mm. And, and, uh, it was, it was really tough. Um, it was really tough and like, especially, you know, just because I've been so recently injured and because I, I do remember playing tennis, you know, relatively recently back then, it was, just, it was really hard for me. I mean, I, I, I it was nice to be back on the court, but just like, just to have that feeling just be so limited. Yeah. Um. It, it was tough. Um, so I did try it out um was it I, at someone's you know,
0: urging was it a friend or, or, a, or a co-worker or someone that uh, that you knew in the community or was it maybe a family member that said hey why don't you give this a shot
2: i think it was some sort of combination um we had heard we had heard from someone about the wheelchair tennis event and you know it's like you know just you know just check it out and then mm-hmm. and then i don't i don't remember exactly who pushed me to try to get into the chair and yeah. i don't i don't um but like it was it was uh and like i remember like in order for me to hit the ball over i started off the phone ring no um, worries um but um but when i got the um when i got the or when i got into the chair like in order for me to hit the ball over the net like they had to like feed the ball like right to me and i couldn't even move and just it was so tough and I'm just like, man, I don't, like, I yeah. I don't know, if, like, I don't know if I can do this again. Sure. And,
0: uh, yeah. How different is the game from a seated position? I mean, you played it your whole life running around on your two legs. Is, is it a completely different game? Do you use a different racket? Um, tell us about how playing on two feet is completely different than seated in a chair.
2: Yeah. So, and, uh, this is, this is definitely like one of the more common like questions and a good question for sure. I get, um, the, I have basically, it really boils down to two and two answers for, for me. I think the first answer is probably the most obvious, you know, from, from, from standing to sitting is, is the mobility aspect of it. Um, you know, obviously it's different, you know, moving on your legs, you know, and your feet compared to, you know, using your ar- your arms or your legs in wheelchair tennis, and um, just like having to rewire your brain to like have that intuition is is really weird. It was really weird, and um, like like I was like, oh, I see the ball now. You know where like before my injury, it's like okay, I'm already on my feet moving to it without even thinking. But like now in this wheelchair, I'm like, wait, I have to push. Like I have to. I have to like use my arms to push and then that takes time to process. Yeah. And then, so the mobility aspect, number one, and then number two, for me, um, since I played before my injury, I had a two handed backhand and I, I had to switch switching from two hands to one hand for the backhand was extremely difficult. Sure. Um, and just like, I'm, I'm a pretty, you know, like I'm, a, I'm like, a, I'm, well, I'm not, I don't, don't want to sound small, but like I'm, I was, I was pretty skinny. Back before my injury, not a super strong, like big guy, and mm-hmm. like, you know, and and one of the and just this is more of a tennis thing, but like one of the things about going from you know, about one handed versus two hands is like two hands, you have a little bit more power, but like going from one hand and then already being so small and skinny and like I had like no power and yeah. Um, it, it actually it actually has gotten better over the years. Um but uh so so basically those two things have been by far the biggest challenges from from switching from standing to, to chair is the mobility, and then and then
0: the backhand. Yeah, and with the backhand, I would assume that just through muscle memory, you're just so used to putting both hands on the racket, and um, it, you just automatically probably went to do that. Now, does does the fact that you really need your arms to be your legs, as you mentioned, does that then put you in the weight room to to work, um, you know, different exercises and lifting weights and trying to get to build up your arms so that you're able to get around the court quicker?
2: Yeah, that's definitely been a big part of um, you know I my I've, i was I was very I've, I'm so grateful. One of my I keep in I still keep in touch with one of my UVA instructors. He uh, I had three math classes with him, so he saw me back in undergraduate, and then he's also come to see me play wheelchair tennis. And uh, when he came to one of my tournaments, I hadn't seen him in person because especially with the COVID overlap um, for uh, for like this was like. I haven't seen him in person for one or one and a half to two years. And then when he saw me in person, he's like, wow, like Jason, you've gotten so much bigger. And <laughs> it, was re- it was really, yeah, it was really funny because like I'm still really skinny. I'm just not as, not as, I just joked, with, I was joking with him. I'm just not as skinny. And I was wearing a really loose shirt <laughs> in the picture he showed me from like three years ago. So I, I really, so, so just kind of a funny story. But um, I, 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 that I've definitely gotten stronger from playing wheelchair tennis. Um, the gym component, you know, strength, S and C strength and conditioning, all of that has, has, it's definitely a core part of my, my training. And, mm-hmm. um, like I said, I'm, I'm still a pretty, like, I mean, you saw you, you, you have my picture now. Yeah. Um, like that was like, I'm like, I, I, I consider myself, you know, like relatively strong, you know, for my, for my weight sure. or for my you know size or whatever, but like, you know, and, and we'll talk about this uh, soon. I'm sure, you know, when I was at the U S open, all these international guys, like, they look like bodybuilders and (laughs) I'm just like, I, I I looked like I was really out of place and, or just like, I, 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 I'll say it this way. I like, I think I have like a very like, like traditional or like typical tennis body. Mm -hmm. But then when you see the wheelchair players, some of the men, like, they like, they look like Hercules and just like, like bodybuilders. I mean, That's just, why um, I was,
0: yeah, that was why yeah. I was leading in that question about where you hit in the weight room, because I have some friends that, uh, that have been with me in, in therapy who are paras and, you know, their arms are good. And, and like, like you're talking about with these foreign players, these guys are just jacked. I mean, they have, they just do nothing but work on their upper body. So their arms and, you know, their biceps and shoulders and, you it's, uh, it's really amazing at, at how big they can get and they, they need that to, to get around the court as you're telling us. Now, forgive me if this is a, a stupid question, but I want to ask it anyway. How often do you fall out of the chair during uh, during tournaments and, and gameplay? And if you do, how hard is it to get back in?
2: Are, are, are you talking about my tennis chair?
0: Yes. Yes.
2: Like when I'm like in my, okay. Um, I, I actually, I, I don't think that's a dumb question at all. And, uh, I, I think, um, not, not a lot. I mean, I've played, I mean, I've been playing a lot in the last five years and actually this year, um, I was in Peru and I, uh, I did actually follow, well, I, I'm, so I'm strapped in my chair. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I like my, my physical like, body like doesn't separate from the chair, but like one time I did my, like, and when, when I was in Peru, Um, my wheel came off and then I, and then my chair fell on the ground and then I fell on the ground and like, I had to have some people help me up. and this was on the clay and this was on the clay. So like my arm and I was so, Peru was really humid and like, I was really, so like, I was like kind of annoyed because I had all this clay on my clothes and my, and like my arm. Oh, covered Um, in clay. And, uh, so, so I, I, I can't, I'm just not physically, like I wasn't physically strong to get myself back up. So like. Thankfully we had like some volunteers on the court, like Mm -hmm. we were doing the ball boy stuff. So like they helped me get back in my chair and, um, that's actually one of the reasons why I I play tennis and especially like wheelchair tennis is because like, it's, it's a safe sport. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not looking to crash or, or like, or like, you know, get my chair beat up like, you know, like in basketball and rugby. So, So yeah.
0: Yeah. So now how do you go from just wanting to get back out there and, and, be you know, get an aerobic sport in and gets a, get a sweat going. To then thinking about turning professional. When did that all come about?
2: My my so you know I I was mentioning earlier like when I went out to that clinic at the you know that social function at the UV, you know it was hard for me to get back you know on court but like I I. I Back, back, back. When I was injured, you know, I, I I knew I wanted to get back into tennis someday, eventually, and uh, it was all about the timing and just like you know, I was in school and, and and school was my priority. You know, once I get my degree, then I can you know, then I can do my gap year or, or whatever, or just take some time off to do some other personal you know endeavors and um ten- with tennis. Um, I, I always knew I was going to get back on court. It's, it was just a matter of when and, 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 uh, and how hard I wanted to go after it. And, uh, so after I finished undergraduate, I'm like, let's, let's, let's try it. Let's really give tennis a real try. Um, so I, I didn't mention this earlier, but like, I did get on court. Like I did try wheelchair tennis. I did do lessons with like a local coach. Um, maybe so, like, maybe from like, I, I'm in the span of like five years for maybe like four or five years. I played maybe just like three to five days a year. <laughs> That's how much I played. Right. Whereas now I'm playing like five days a week. So, yeah. um, so like, so, so, um, the goal. And then when I started, like when I, you know, when I really, after graduation and when I started tennis, I'm just like, you know, now we'll really go after it. And my goal, you know, you're asking about playing professionally my goal was just to just see how far I could get and just have fun with it. Um, Sure. I didn't, I didn't give myself this, you know, and and, and I think this applies to anyone playing wheelchair sports. Of course, of course, Paralympics is a goal for pretty much, I think, anyone playing wheelchair sports. Um, So I, I I think that was in the back of my mind, but like, even then that's a little bit too ambitious to have back then. Just, just, just see how, how far, just have fun. And then, play hard and see how far you can go with it and baby
0: steps been, right Jason
2: uh, yeah yeah and and I've been very very blessed and thankful it's it's worked out so far
0: absolutely. so tell us now how many years has it been that you've been playing professionally and tell us how many countries you visited and what a travel schedule for you looks like on a and any given year
2: yeah so um so I played my first wheelchair tennis tournament uh, in November of 2017. Um, and I, so before I started playing like on the, at the international or professional level, um, I want to, you know, I I didn't want to just jump right into playing the pro events. I, I needed to get some, I needed to get my, you get as they say you get your feet wet and um, so I played the sure. amateur tournaments um in the United States we call these tournaments like the letter division tournaments okay um so with with different divisions based on skill level so I played like the highest skill level it was called the a division um so I played I think one of my one of my tennis career you know highlights was uh, going undefeated in the in the uh, in the amateur divisions and singles and I, I think I had won five tournaments in a row. And that's, and then in the fifth, in the fifth tournament, I, in the fifth amateur tournament I played and I had beaten some of the top amateur guys in the nation. And that's when I decided I was going to play professionally. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so I, so that was, so I played my first tournament almost uh, five years ago. Okay. And then uh, professionally, so I played my first international event in the summer of 2018 and that's when i got called that's when i got the call from uh, one of our uh, national co- from our head national coach inviting me on to the, um to the high performance to the team usa high performance program mm-hmm. and uh so i've been playing on the international circuit for the last 4 years and uh timing wise it's been kind of weird too just because you know because of covid um i basically missed when i, I you know i say it's that was 4 years ago but in reality you know, I started, I played half a season in 2018. I played my first full season in 2019. And then 2020, I played like three tournaments and then COVID happened. Right. Um, 2021, you know, once, once the vaccines came out, once, you know, things were getting better, I play, I was playing a full schedule from the summer up until the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And then, so this is, so in reality, the 2022 season really is like, the 2022 year really is like really only like my second, like full, full season. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which is kind of funny to think about it, but just that's the way it's worked out.
0: Yeah. The world shut down and everybody had to hunker down. And so, so tell us how many countries have you visited? And uh, now that you're back full tilt, like what is a, uh, you know, a day in the life, a month in the life for, for Jason.
2: Right. Um, so uh, you know it's funny that the countries you can tell it's, I can tell it's a lot because I can't even give you an exact number right now. <laughs> but uh, so if I can uh, tell you some of the countries I've been to, uh, in North America, I've played in Canada, you know the states of course, and then Mexico. and then in South America, I've played in Ecuador, uh, Brazil, uh, Argentina, and Peru. And in Europe, I've played in uh, Israel, uh, Spain, uh, Romania, Italy uh, and Portugal Wow that's so, a mouthful yeah so I am trying to think that's like around like 12 or 13 maybe I I don't know um
0: that's amazing and, how a sport can take you to all those countries
2: yeah no absolutely oh wow
0: and tell us do you do you prefer singles or doubles uh, does it matter to you and uh, it's and, uh, yeah yeah go ahead
2: Oh, sorry. I was going to say, yeah. So it's kind of funny when I first started, I, I was better at doubles just because, uh, I, it was easier for me to rally and just like, you know, double and wheelchair doubles. There's a lot more like longer points. So I like to, you know, rally. So I was, mm-hmm. I was a lot better at doubles when I started, but, um, I've had, it's kind of shifted. Um, I've had more success in singles more recent, you know, in the last year, year and a half or so, but, um, but I, I, I like them both, um, a lot. And, I mean, I guess statistically speaking, I mean doubles has been better. Like, I, I think I have. I think like this this year, I've I've gotten um, four doubles titles, and then I won my first international singles title over the summer. Um, but I, I like them both a lot.
0: Where are you ranked in both at the moment?
2: Um. Yes. Yeah, so right now, I'm currently. Um, I think it changed this week. I I'm currently number. Uh, 40 in the world in singles of about 100 or 400, about almost 500 players or so, and then in doubles. I think I'm ranked uh, in doubles I'm ranked uh, 20, um, 29 in the world. Wow! Um, And then and then so in, I'm currently our number three American in singles, and then our number two American in doubles. I think that's
0: awesome, Jason. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow, and I know you'll probably tell me, but I'm not done. I'm pushing. I want to get higher and and move up the charts. But that is something else for for someone to uh, to reach those heights in in uh, professional sport. Tell me about your experience playing in the U.S. Open.
2: Yeah, so it was uh, you know like I mentioned earlier, um, like I mentioned earlier, I think uh, the pinnacle uh, event in all of wheelchair sports is the Paralympics and tennis i think is one of the possibly the only exception to that is because in tennis we've got the four majors the four Grand Slams, you know australian open wimbledon french open and us open so um it uh it was an experience of a lifetime and um just just like you know i, I mean in terms of the pure matches it was kind of tough it was it was tough I, I lost a tough match to the world number 10 right now, I think from the Netherlands. And um in doubles, my 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 partner from Spain was injured. So we had to withdraw from the match and we no. were going to play the number one team in the world for the Great Britain. And I I and usually I'm not a pessimist, but I mean I don't think we were going to win the match, but it was going to be fun just at least getting the experience to play the best team in the world. Sure. And um you know matches aside though, just that in 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 the grand scheme of things, you know whole holistically speaking, I mean it was it was still in a, in a such a such an amazing experience. and I mean, we had the, we had pretty much same access to everything the standing players could do, our transportation, the practice courts, the player lounge, the locker rooms, um, you know, using using like the massage tables or just like just everything. um I, I can't think of anything that wheelchair players couldn't do that. The able-bodied players, the standing players could do. And, um, I also think, um, and just one of the reasons why I think it was such a unique experience is because with, with tennis, with wheelchair tennis and with the U S open, um, the fact that our sport was fully integrated within the tournament is, was just so monumental. Mm. Um, just like, you know, we're, we're a part of the event. We're not just some exhibition sideshow. Um, whereas, um you know like it like it's so cool like seeing you know my name and my scores in the app or just like on the on the drumbotron screens when we're on the grounds like they're playing wheelchair tennis matches yeah you know it's like that's i think that's such a unique thing about wheelchair tennis versus other wheelchair sports you know like basketball You know, they don't like the March Madness, you know, or the, you know, they don't have just like a separate wheelchair event or like the Super Bowl. They don't have a Super Bowl. They don't have a wheelchair event or like, you know, or like the World Cup. There's no wheelchair event, but for tennis, we're completely integrated. In the event we are a part of the event, and I think that's just so unique compared to any other sport.
0: Absolutely. And did you have much interaction with, as you call them, the standing players, especially? Yeah, I no. The US it, was, Open? it
2: was it was so much fun, and just like I like I said, I'm a huge tennis nerd, tennis junkie, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And Just like I got picture, I got pictures with all so many players, and just like to see some of these tennis players who are you know basically you know celebrity athletes, just like walking by them in person just passing by them in person, just seeing like the real human beings were like, actually like really nice. And just like also a lot bigger or a tolerant person. It was, it was crazy. And um, every time I interacted, they were always so nice. And um, like I said, it was, it was such a neat experience because it's not like, it's like, it's like, you know, even in the eating area, it's like, there's not just a wheelchair tennis player section. And then like everyone else, it's like, it's just all one eating area and we're all sitting in the same area. Um, so they it was, it was so so i i got to see a lot of uh unfortunately so i and this is more of a now i'm talking more as a fan but like i i didn't get to see everyone just because at that when i by the time i got to the tournament a lot of the players were already eliminated but yep. um for the players who were still there uh at the tournament i i got to see a lot of them so those that was a very special experience.
0: What a, what an amazing experience as a sports junkie myself. I'm just, I'm trying to put myself in your position and uh, it's such a neat thing that you're part of it all. The inclusive part of it, as you mentioned, it's different than, than all the other sports. Jason, how much longer do you think you can do this? Um, how is your body reacting and, and what do you think, um, you know, how many more years do you think you can do this?
2: Yeah, you know, that's really the, that's the, that's the big question. I still ask myself, uh, right now and I'm 28 years old right now. So I've been, you know, I played my first wheelchair tennis tournament when I was 23. And, um, wheelchair tennis, I think is, uh, is a cool sport just because like, since it's you know, since it's relatively safe and, um, there's more longevity. So we have players, you know, who are in their forties, you know, even their fifties who are playing and who are still playing really well. Um, personally, I don't see myself playing that long. Um, and I will, you know, I have to like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna sugarcoat. it. I mean, I've, I've had injuries, um, or not, not major, but just, I've had some physical setbacks and just, uh, it, it's so physical and, sure. um, and like, when I think about the long term, you know, like my wrist is hurting. You know, like right now, like you know, how is it going to be in like ten years from now when I'm in my mid thirties, like or late thirties? You know, I don't want this to be a problem. Exactly. Um, so my, my so my health, my health is always number one. Um And I think part of my decision making, um it'll be a combination as far as how long I'll keep playing. I think it's a combination of just like where I am, you know, personally speaking, to see if I've achieved you know my personal goals in tennis, but also but that, that would be overridden by, by my health. If I, if I physically can't do it, I'm I'm not going to do it. And, and then of course there's other priorities too, you know, just, you know, just, you know, sure. especially more long-term things. If I want to have a family, I can't just be traveling, you know, like to like try to, I can't just travel like to eight countries in a year. And right. then, and then you know, that's just Your
0: not, we'll let, um, let that happen.
2: Yeah. So I, I know, I know, I know, you know, I'm not, uh, so I know, I know I'm not going to be playing forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to give like a, you know, very definitive timeline. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can tell you, I mean, I'm going to try to play as long as I can, you know, as, as long as I, as long as I can, but at the same time, like I said, uh, there's other there's other priorities, there's other things, you know, yes. that are more important. Or just getting a real job, you know. Yeah, uh, which leads me into my,
0: to my next question is, uh, I know you're continuing your education. Tell us, what are you pursuing your master's in at the moment?
2: So I'm doing my master's right now in engineering uh, management. Uh, it's a remote program through uh, Johns Hopkins University.
0: That is awesome. And how do you have time for that?
2: Well you know, I'm barely stretching it. So I'm only taking one class right now and I'm taking it, um, online, you know, fully remotely, everything is asynchronous. Um, so I can do everything on my own time. Um, like when I was in Alabama this past weekend, like, uh, or even when I was at the U S open, like I had to, like some of the, some of the nights I was just doing homework. Um, cause I, you know, I had to get to the deadlines and stuff, but, um, Uh, that's really the only way I can make it work. I, I this is, this, this is, this is why I like from my experience before my injury, like I knew I can play tennis and do college and try to do, you know, try to be happy or do well in both. That's why I only stuck to under, that's why I never really tried wheelchair tennis in my undergrad. And, um, that's why even right now i'm I'm like, I, I know I can do one class anything more than that It's gonna be too much.
0: yeah. And also, I know that you're tutoring. you're tutoring in math and chemistry, not only yeah. for yourself personally, but but for the University of Arizona.
2: yeah, so i'm um I've been tutoring for the University of Arizona um, for the last four years. Uh, I work for a department called the Salt Center. Um they work uh, they uh, work with students with learning challenges um, such as ADHD, uh, and dyslexia. And then I also tutor, uh, privately, um, as well. And, um, I, I love the tutoring. Um, just, it, it, it still keeps me sharp and, um, you know, and of course earning some extra money on the side. And, um, I think, uh, I think, um, it's as far as scheduling, um, thankfully this, I, I can do everything on my own time. So like when I get back from my trips, I immediately try to, do, do as much tutoring as I can and, you know, I do my tennis training in, in the day and then I can schedule tutoring appointments in the evening. So there's, the flexibility is probably one of the biggest um, uh, advantages of, of of the work just because I, I I can, I can center my, my tutoring around the tennis. You are a
0: busy, busy man, Jason. And um, all of this leads me into my last question question. And it's the one I, um, I save for last for all of my guests. And that is simply, if I could snap my fingers right now and you would be completely able-bodied right then and there, what is the first thing that you would do?
2: I've been injured for, so I've been injured for almost uh, 11 years now, I think. And uh, last year was my 10-year SCI anniversary. And um, I don't know if I've ever been asked that. So that's a, Oh, cool. Can I, ask, can, can I ask what some of their other responses have been like? Absolutely. I do have an answer. But, had, uh, what are,
0: I could tell you what mine is, and mine has actually sort of changed over the years. My uh, initial answer was I would get um, some sort of uh, earbuds or earphones or whatever and go out for a nice run uh, to get a good sweat going. Um, I've had some people tell me that they would hug their wife and dance with their wife um, I had one guy who was a, uh, a star football player at Rutgers who was injured, uh, and he said, to tell you the truth, the first thing is I would run out my front door butt naked up and down the street. And so, uh, uh-huh. yeah, I've had a whole bunch of different answers, and uh, so, I don't mean to put oh, you on the great. spot, but yeah, it's, it's like all of our injuries, which, which everything is different, a lot of the answers are as well. So whatever you say so, is fine.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think it's a great question. Um, my answer would just be playing, just, just play tennis on my, on, just play tennis standing again. Okay. Um, that'd be it. Um, as much as I've enjoyed wheelchair and I, I really like, and I, I really have grown to enjoy it a lot, um, again, and I have so much fun, um, play, I, I, playing on my two feet, uh, would, would certainly be a dream. That would be
0: a dream, and who knows one of these days, you know, everybody, yeah, no,
2: um, a lot of advancements and things like that, yeah,
0: without a doubt. We have to keep that fire alive that, uh, that they're working behind the scenes, and a lot of that stuff is hopefully, uh, down the road. And so, well, Jason Keatsing Silp, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Um, I have been trying to track you down for a while. I hope I wasn't too much of a pain in the rear end for you. Um, yeah,
2: sorry, sorry, sorry. I, sorry, I, I was kind of slow with the messaging. I've been so slow with the last month with the messages just because I was at the U.S. Open. I got all these messages and emails, and I just got so backed up. And yeah, um, it's it's busy when when you're there. You don't have time to just like go on your phone. Just like you're in the zone. Like you're you're always you're always doing something. Sure. So um, thank thank you for for following up again and uh thank you for having me on yeah this um, was
0: great it was, it was I, I really appreciate you and letting me uh to letting me tell your inspirational story um and it's exactly why i have put this podcast together and and i want to ask you if you can think of any other folks that would be good guests for me to have on by all means please reach out but uh again thank yeah. you for coming on and uh best of luck with uh your continued tennis career
2: thank you very much sean thank you for having me again
0: And as they say in tennis, that's game, set, match. Special thanks again to Jason Keatsing Silp for joining me. It was a pleasure getting to know you and bring your inspirational story to my audience. Also, thanks as always to Chris Parapezco at Harbor Picture Company in New York City. Until next time, I am John McAlevey, and I thank you for your time.